turn nearly to the back of the New Testament, the book of 1 Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy. If you are visiting with us in a lot of the back pews and then every other pew on the aisle side, there are some black pew Bibles. If you want to join along with us, if not, and you're seated to our own folks, if you're seated around a guest or visitor doesn't have a Bible, possibly you can share yours uh, with them. Stand please as soon as you find your place. The book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 1. I'm going to begin reading verse number 11. Please join me in verse number 12 and every other verse until we close together on verse 18. 1 Timothy 1, 11, the Bible says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should follow hereafter, believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which were before on thee, that thou might by them mightest war a good warfare. I want to talk to you this morning. This is our theme for this year. I want to talk to you this morning on how to be totally committed totally committed. Would you bow with us and pray with us and for us, please? Father, I thank you for another Sunday. In your divine and sovereign wisdom, you brought us together just as we're together here today. It is no accident that each and every person that is here today is here. And Father, you have a divine purpose in every life here. As Brother Frazier prayed moments ago, I so pray now. That if there's one here this morning that does not know if they died today, they'd go to heaven, that today they might see Jesus and trust him as their Lord and Savior. For the most of us, we've made that choice. Christ is our Savior. Heaven is our home. Now, Father, I pray we, each and every one of us here today, stands at a different level of commitment. Would you work through the Holy Spirit today? Help us to understand that your cause is worthy to be picked up. and You are worthy, God, to serve. And we should serve you with each and every ounce of our being. I ask for your aid and assistance. I ask to be led by your spirit today. That your will and purpose might be done in my life and the life of everybody here today. In Christ's name we would pray. Amen. seek you. Now use my life, O oh Lord, I pray. I yield my sovereign will completely. May your commandments light my way. My life, Lord, is yours to control. 
Savior, our Maker, and I hope that in your heart and in mine there is a desire to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. First Timothy chapter number 1, totally committed. In this chapter, in both verse number 11 and verse number 18, the Holy Spirit uses the same word. Paul, writing to his young preacher boy, Timothy, encourages him to be totally committed to the Lord. Once we're saved and we enter the service of God, we all dedicate ourselves to different levels of service. The word commitment means this in Webster says to bring together, to join or entrust, to give to another for consignment or preservation. The Bible definition means to give to someone, to safeguard, to keep. So I want you and I this morning to think about all that you have and all that I have and all that we are. I want to encourage you to give it to God, to invest. We looked at the first night in Vision Night when we chose our new theme that the word invest simply means to clothe. How that we take every dollar. Now, let me say something to you. And when we get ready for baptism and these precious boys and girls come up and, and stand in front of you, you have nothing to give, that is fine. The Bible says we don't give grudgingly or of necessity, but with a cheerful heart. But I promise you this, if you give and you say, I want, I want to show the love of Christ to the kids and faculty at South High or Riverwalker, whatever, and we pray that God uses it. 
I think about this. We take that dollar, whatever is given, and we clothe it. What about if somebody is touched and moved and finds Christ as Savior in any of these endeavors? Then you took a dollar and you clothed it, something that was temporal, you clothed it into something that is eternal. We are committed to many things in our life. Some of you are committed deeply to a certain make or model of a car or vehicle. You wouldn't buy anything else. You're committed to that. You would no more buy a Chevy or a Ford or a Buick or a, a Subaru or a Toyota than any other because you've got yours and you're committed. Some of you are committed to, and I pray that we are as a, as a civil uh, civil servants, that we're committed to our nation. Many of you here have fought, and you have been uh, in the armed forces. You were committed to a nation and serving your nation. You're committed to a group, a cause. Paul alluded to three things in this chapter. I want to show them to you. Number one, first of all, that God had committed some things to him. Look at verse number 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, the gospel has been committed to us. Preacher, what is your purpose? $600 really to go to the students and faculty at South High? If one teenager finds Christ as Savior, it's well worth the money that is spent. Why do we have, Brother Lou, how, your Fridays are precious to, just like they are to us, but why do we meet here each and every Friday to help with somebody who is battling a conviction because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has been committed to us? So Paul talks about that to Timothy. He said some things by God were committed to us. Secondly, verse number 18, read this together. This charge I commit unto thee. Thank God for faithful pastors that commit some things to young men. Right now serving downstairs is Brother Tim Aguero. Brother Stephen has taken a good portion of his life and dumped it into Brother Tim and taught him the value of serving young children. There's not enough that God commits to Pastor Rogers or Pastor, uh, Pastor Fine. I've committed some things to you. I've committed you to the gospel and the ministry. Now I want you to take that and commit it to others also who are faithful. So Paul says, God committed some things to me, the gospel. Timothy, now look at this. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou may thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Preacher, what is this invest all about? I just don't like that, that theme. And let me say this to you. What we're trying to understand is a work in ministry. God is calling us not to just come and fill a, a pew or a space in the auditorium, but to say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I'm all in. If I don't like the pastor, I really, I'd rather Brother Stephen preach. I'd rather Brother Bill preach or Brother Bliss preach. Doesn't matter who is preaching. I'm all in. I'm committed to this thing. I'm going to tell you this. Your salvation and mine will never mean what it's meant to mean until we're all in. We're totally committed. So Paul realized that God committed some things to him. He committed some things to his preacher boy, Timothy. But then Paul expected commitment from others. Look at 2 Timothy 2. Paul expected commitment from others. I, 
usually most every Sunday morning, I go by and pick up my daughter, Rebecca, Stephen's wife, and usually little Katie Ann, and usually Levi. Grandpa goes by to pick them up. I don't know when this started, but ever since, I, Sunday morning when I come into church, for some reason, there is a home improvements thing going on my radio. Tells you how to fix the window and the door and the sagging door and what to do with this. And, and Becky kind of makes fun of it. When we, she gets in the car, she's talking about that home improvement. I said, you ride with Dad enough times to church, and you're going to know how to hang a door, put a roof on. I said, this is a great blessing. But today we got in. I don't know how or why I switched it, but there was a wonderful program. I might tune in again. On 850 KOA, this, I don't know if it's every Sunday, I don't know. And this man is interviewing great Americans that overcame something to do what they did. I'd never heard of this man. How many of you have ever heard of Jim Abbott? You have Brother Marvin? Jim Abbott was a professional baseball player with the Angels and the Yankees. And he only had one hand. You knew that, Brother Andrew? You knew about that? I never knew it. I got, I got the Dunkin' Donuts, I got my iPad, and said, I'm going to look at Jim Abbott. You know how important two hands are if you're a pitcher? You have to field your position. Rawlings made him a special glove that would fit over that stub. And this man didn't, you know what? I'm committed to baseball. So committed, I'm going to pitch and pitch the perfect game. You know how many pitchers in the major leagues never pitch a perfect game? That was a bunch of peas, wasn't it? Pitchers in the major never pitch a perfect game. All right? If you were Jim, Jim Abbott, would you have pitched? I probably wouldn't have. He was committed to baseball. Players committed to football, committed to sports, whatever it might be. But look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and look, if you would, look at verse number 22. We said this, that, that Paul expected, go back to verse number 2 of chapter 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same what? Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. My job as pastor of Rocky Mountain Baptist Church is not just to come and deliver a message to you Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My job, if I'm a faithful pastor, is this, to help you to find Christ as Savior and then help you to understand once you accept Christ as Savior that He wants you to jump in with both feet and say, I'm all in. I'm committed to the cause of Christ. And not to let up until we see full commitment in service. Look back at 1 Timothy chapter number 1, if you would, please. I want to show you this, that God has committed himself to us. Romans 5, 12 says, Wherefore, as by, it says this, as man, help me with this, Brother Jeff, start this. Romans 5, 12. Ah, this company, somebody help me with this. I've got a, a, a old age block coming. Can you not? Huh? Wherefore is by one man sin into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But watch this. But the Bible says in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
God has committed himself to you. He gave his only begotten son to save you. How committed is God to you? God's all in. God's all in on your salvation. If you die without Christ and go to a devil's hell, and there is a hell, if you die and go to a Christless eternity, you will step over the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God's all in. He came. He sent His Son, His only Son, to die on Calvary's cross. God is totally committed. He could not give you more than He's given by giving us His Son. A wedding band, you think about this, of commitment to others. Jesus is God's band of commitment. You say, I don't believe that God loves me. Or how much does God love me? Look at the cross. That's how much God loves you. So we say this, God is not asking of us anything that he himself has not done or unwilling to do. God is committed to us. Number two, Jesus committed himself to us by giving of his life. The Bible says in Luke 19, in verse number 10, For the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, is come to seek and to save the righteous people, the good people. To seek and save that which was lost. God committed his love to us. God's fully committed. He gave us his son. Jesus was fully committed. He came and he seeks you out. If you're in this room this morning, you don't know Christ as Savior. He loves you and he died for you. He's fully committed to save you. And we think about this. Now God asks and express, expects a commitment from us. So preacher, how can I commit to the Lord? Number one, first of all, commit your soul to him for safekeeping. In a moment, we'll have baptism. I remember the day when Brad and his wife came for the first time. I don't know anything about them. And that Sunday, I think, Brother Jeff, I didn't realize this. We had some obligations, and, and I think Brad came forward and and, and Brother Jeff dealt with him, took him downstairs and dealt with him, and he came back up, and, and he got saved. Amen. We'll see him get baptized. I want to say this to you, now watch this. So what does that commitment look like? Give your soul to him. When Brad is baptized in just moments, that water won't wash away any sin he has. It's tap water. Just tap water. But there's a level of commitment, and what we will share with you by a profession of faith is what Brother Brad wants us to see is I've made that decision. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. So commit your soul to him through salvation. Come. Now watch as you think about this. Then some of you need to commit to baptism. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, but you've never followed the Lord and believer's baptism. Will you go to heaven if you're saved? Absolutely. Baptism is not a part of salvation, right? But it's the first step of obedience. Do you want to be obedient to your heavenly Father? Amen. Then receive scriptural baptism. You think about this, and then we think about this. Commit yourself to church for responsibility and instruction. If I were you, and I was just a member, I'd be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If they were having a cockroach race, I'd bring my cockroaches and I'd race. Huh? I'm serious. You know why? Because the Bible says that God has raised the church up, the pillar and ground of the truth. 
And one day we as pastors of this local body, I'll give an account to God of every word that was spoken from this pulpit. I can promise you this. Tonight, Lord willing, we'll have a class at 5 o'clock, a college-level class that Brother Bill Patrick teaches. Usually in Sunday school, Brother, Brother Bliss is teaching still through Romans, Brother Miss? Still through the book of Romans, verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Romans. Sunday morning so many times is evangelistic. Sunday night is, is growth in Christ. Wednesday night is going through the book, uh, a book of the Bible. I promise you this. But yet we've said to you, if you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you don't get in the Bible throughout the week, you'll starve to death. There's something about the church that nothing takes the place of. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. I look around us and I see the condition of this world as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is coming again and He's coming soon. Preacher, don't try to scare me. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to be honest with you. One day, very soon, the trump's going to sound, and we're going to stand before this God who saved us and give an account for what we're doing and what we've done. I ask you this. I know I, I love you all. I don't want anybody mad at me. Would you let a pastor be your pastor who was not a member? Why is it right for me and not right for you? You see what I'm saying? I'm just saying this. There is a church, and that responsibility of that church is to equip you in the cause of Christ. Number four, commit your body as a sacrifice to God. Turn with me, if you would please, Romans chapter number 12. Young people, these are some of the most vital verses in all the Scripture concerning your life. But not just young people. When we get saved, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. Romans 12, look at verse number 1 and 2. I beseech you, that word is beg. I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, he's talking to Christian people, by the mercy of God, you present your what? A body's a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So commit your body to service of God. You know what? And I think, Brother Bill, I don't know how it was when you grew up. Brother Allen, Brother Marvin, some of you men, Brother Phil, some of you men, Brother Wally. Do you know when I was a teenager in our church, we had a larger church in Monument Palmer Lake, about six or 700 you know what our pastor had the audacity to say? He would tell the young men, he said, you keep your hands off of these young girls. You hear me? He said, you young ladies, walk down this aisle white. You know, Brother Bill, what he told the young girls? He said, you go out with one of our boys. And by the way, you shouldn't be going out on a single date anyway. You go out with one of our boys and he gets close to you and puts his arm around you and the moon shining off of your hair and the Chanel number five is picked up. He's picked up a whiff of that. And listen, and, and he starts to plant a lip lock on you. He said, my preacher said this, Dallas. He said, 
Ladies, take your shoe off and beat him over the head. I don't find that in the Bible. And I was always worried that I might take one of these guys. I was kind of for a while, he didn't know it, but I was dating his daughter. I was kind of thinking, you know, guys, I'm going to say this to you. And then I went to Bible college, Brother John. They said something like this. Here was student orientation. Guys, we want you to come to Hiles Anderson College and find a young lady. We want you to date her. We want you to fall in love with her. We want you to marry her. And we want you to want to kiss her and hold her hand and put your arm around her. But if you do, we're going to ship you. <laughs> so what do you do? And Kathy, and then I met Kathy, and oh, man. Oh, Lord, I just think, man, I want so bad to just, and I love this. The first date we were on was Halloween. Can you imagine that? Scared of the rest of my life. <laughs> and she said this to me. She said, I enjoyed our first date. And she said, if you want to date me again, I want you to know something. I've never kissed a boy, and I won't till the night I get married. Amen. <laughs> there goes all the fun. I understand this. I understand that sounds foreign in our generation, but there should be a generation that preachers rise up and say, listen, your body's not your own, and it belongs to God once you get saved. Give it to Him. Let Him have it. Commit your body to service to God. Commit your plans and purposes in life. I want to build houses. I want to be a contractor. I remember after I got saved in a message like this, God began to speak to my heart. And I went to my pastor and said, Preacher, I don't understand, but something's going on. And he said, Listen, I want you to think about this and pray about this this way. I believe that God may be calling you to ministry. And sure enough, he was a faithful pastor. He helped me to understand God's call in my life. I'm not saying that God is calling you to ministry, but God is calling you to service. And whatever that service, he wants us to commit to it. Look in your Bible, Joshua chapter number 5. We'll go back in the Old Testament, if you would please. If not, I'll read for you. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Joshua chapter number 5. What a great servant of the Lord Joshua was. Joshua chapter number 5. Look at verse number 14. This is Joshua. He met somebody out going to battle. He wanted to know. Verse number 13, art thou for us or for our adversaries? Joshua didn't know who he was talking to. Look at verse 14. And he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, what saith my Lord and my servant? I'm not asking you to call, to get the call to the mission field. I'm not asking you to get the call to be a preacher. But I'm saying to you here this morning, if you know Christ is your Savior, are you willing to say the same thing that Joshua said? What saith my Lord to me? Fully committed. What am I going to do? Go back to Timothy, if you would please. Commit your soul to the Lord for safekeeping. Commit your, yourself to scriptural baptism, church membership. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, say it with me, if you would please. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own in all thy ways... And he shall 
can I share something with you? I'm not, I'm not the spooky Christian you might make me out to be. When I was a teenager and my preacher would preach about letting God have your way, I would think this. If I let the Lord pick my wife, he's going to give me that girl nobody else would date. That's what I thought. If I tell God you can have my life, the plans and dreams, you can have it all, and I lay it at his altar, he's going to send me someplace they don't have running water, I'm going to have to live in a thatched roof hut. And you think the same way. Can I say this to you? If you yield to the plans and purposes of God, you're going to like it. I love who I'm married to. I'm not sure Kathy can say that. No, I love who I'm married to. I love what God has called me to do. Every day is kind of like a barrel of monkeys. Say, why, preacher? Because I said one time in my life, God, you can have it. My plans, my goals, my aspirations, I give to you. I'm committed. Can I say this to you, parents? Commit your family to God. God gives his children to train for him, to bring up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Give your kids to God. Commit your future to Him by faith. You may not know what tomorrow holds, but you know who holds tomorrow. Can I say this to you as simply as I can, and we're going to rush the service along for the end of service today. Our Lord is on a recruiting mission this morning. He, through His Spirit, is walking up and down these aisles. For some of you, he's recruiting you to, to get saved. Will you do that? For some of you, he's recruiting. I want you to make this local body a part of your church home. And I want you to roll up your sleeve. Now watch it. I can't do this because I always get in trouble. And I'm going to say this to you. It's going to get dirty. Love works. It's a roll up. It's not a white and tidy. I told Brother Bill this morning coming in. You know, if I could come like I wanted to come, I'd, I'd, I'd come like Brother Bill. The, my preacher said this. If the guy who invented neckties is in heaven, I'm going to choke him with them. I think I'm going to help him. I hate these things. You know what love works is a lot like? Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's serve some precious students. Let's serve some faculty and staff. Let's be a blessing to somebody who's going to come uh, to a courthouse to register some vehicles, whatever it might be. Let's just let the community understand we're not trying out to proselytize. We're not out to try to beat you over the head with the Bible. We're just trying to hear to say Jesus loves you and so do we. Is it worth it? I don't know what God's going to do through Love Works. Probably a larger part of our budget this year is going to go towards Love Works. I'm thankful. I think, Rebecca, from what I understood, 50-some people under signed up the first Sunday. Some of these folks surprised me. Some of them aren't spring chickens. And they said, I'll put a T-shirt on, and I'll serve a cup of coffee in the Lord's name. I'm going to say this to you. Is it worth it? Can I say this to you? This, this, this grabs my every minute of attention as a pastor. Please remember who you're serving. I am not worthy of your service. I am not. I got clay feet just like you do. 
Rocky Mountain Baptist Church is not worthy of your service. May we remember who we're serving. He's worthy. And he's calling us to commitment. Stand, please.